Folks, in our youth, when our careers were growing and expenses were high, we needed to get the most from our savings and the money we invested in the market. As we age, we need a safer strategy, one that can protect against market loss. We need to keep our hard-earned principles safe while allowing growth to provide us with reliable retirement income. Therefore, to learn about reliable retirement income, I highly recommend Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Welcome Arab to the show. Thanks for listening. Good morning. This is a happy morning. Happy Father's Day to you. Appreciate you being there for me. Listen, this is a special day for a lot of us. Not just if you are a father. There are many of you that are not. But as men, you probably had a father. (laughs) It's just a guess. Now, if you were, I don't know, I guess if you come from the liberal side of things, the progressives, they say that men can give birth. So I don't know. Is he still really your dad? You have to know that. I appreciate you being here. Total Financial Hour. Let me give you the number because I have a couple of things I want to give out to you. Throughout the day, there's a way to get a hold of us directly at our office. Okay, I'm going to give this to you because throughout the week, there's a lot of things happening in the financial markets. You may have questions. You may have concerns. If you do, we are here for you. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby, by the way. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. That's how you get a hold of us if you have any questions, concerns throughout the week. Listen, what we're doing today is a special show. As a live broadcast, I have a special guest here. And his name is Mr. Mike Hallaby. It might sound familiar. might sound familiar. Hello, sir. Yes, hello, son. How are you today? Good. I'm so glad you could be here. I've had you on the show once before some time ago. And this is kind of fun and special because obviously you're such a, an important part of my life. But also other people's lives. You've done, a, you've done some amazing things in this 80-plus years on this earth. Well, when you have a duty in life, you have to... Fulfill your duty. That's very important, you know, toward your family and friends and others. And tell me about what you think is a father's duty. Uh, Well, first of all, you know, take care of his kids, raise them right, teach them the right thing to do, and help them with everything. Give them good education and show them the right direction. You know, one of the things that we do as men... uh, when we decide to have a family is it's the wife that we select, right? Or that selects us in many cases, she's the one that picks us and you, and you picked mom. And that was a, a big deal. Donna Halaby, for those of you that aren't calling her mom. Uh, and when you did that, look, one of the biggest things that I still reflect back with my wife is I met, I met a 19 year old uh, cute thing, right? And, and she's going to end up taking care of and managing and our household, but taking care of the most important possessions in the world. For you, you picked or, or picked, she picked you, but a, a, a young lady in Michigan. Now, yes. how did you guys end up in California? That's right, yes. Yeah. So in Michigan, that's where we met. And it was uh, like first time, first look. <laughs> yeah, the love at first sight. 
You know, when, uh, what was it, four and a half weeks later, you guys were married? From hello right. to I do. Yes, it was like uh, 57 years ago. Amazing. Yeah. This August will be 57 years. Uh, and you guys met and uh, in August 31st, which was mom's birthday, and were married at the end of September. So that's a pretty incredible thing. But I wanted to find out a little bit about your upbringing, because your upbringing is not the same as my upbringing. Meaning some of the things your father taught you were, were subjective to the villages of Lebanon. You were raised in the mountains of Lebanon, way above Beirut. Yes, it's, uh, actually it's about, uh, uh, the mountain is about uh, 10, 15 miles from Beirut. But with mountain roads, I think it's at least 30 minutes from, from where you were, right? Oh, yes, yes, because of the roads and because of the yes. condition. And how often did you guys ever go down to Beirut? It wasn't a normal thing, right? No, it wasn't. But uh, because of my dad uh, kind of work, uh, he he goes down every day, you know, to Beirut. And uh, he has to provide uh, food and, uh, you know, for his family. So what was your dad's job? Well, he was, uh, he, he owned a taxi. Yes, my grandfather was a taxi driver. Yes, and uh, and at that time, you know, that was a good job, you know. Yeah. They were making good money. He was able to support his family. How many kids? Ten total. Yeah, but that's not all. I mean, we, he has a responsibility of his brother's wife and kids and also his, his mother. So, so Jiddo is what we call in Arabic. Uh, yes grandfather. You know, one of the things I noticed, uh, because I got to know my grandfather a little bit, uh, didn't speak a lot of English, uh, but, you, you know, you can see love across. For many of you, whether your your grandparents are from Mexico or the Philippines or, you know, Sweden, whatever it might be, and they didn't speak English, there's always a way for you to kind of look back and see them and notice who they are and, and how much they love you. And it was the same thing with your mom. Sito uh, is what we call her. Yes, absolutely. She was a beautiful lady. She was such a good-hearted person. She helped everybody beside her family, you know. So what is one of the lessons that your your mom and dad, but specifically maybe your dad, that he taught you that you still remember today? It's uh, take care of your family, raise up your kids right, and then uh, help uh, others if you can. And to be honest with yourself and them. Now, is there anything that you saw or learned from your dad that you said, that that works in the villages of Lebanon, but not so much in the San Fernando Valley? Well, yes, of course. I mean, there's a big difference between uh, the two lives. What are those differences? Uh, yeah. But... Uh, it is uh, on a small scale, you know. In Lebanon, it's on a small scale, a small town. And people communicate. They did not have the technology we have here. So it makes a big difference, yes. What were some of the things that you saw your dad do that maybe when it was happening, you were a little bit, you know, this isn't fair, I don't like this, maybe a typical teenager. And then today you, you, you taught your children the same thing, and now maybe your grandchildren are that age. Well, actually, I haven't seen him doing anything I didn't like because he did everything uh, the right way. 
and uh, he was raised that way. So he, we inherited that from him too. Uh, because really, before Lebanon was a country, you were born in in this in the. Uh, I don't know. Was it a full country in in the thirties when you were born? Well, it was a country, but it was uh, controlled by the French. It was uh, under the French control. Yes. And was. so, but you learned English in school, in elementary school, yeah. Yes, I did take. Uh, I went into an English school, and uh, this is where I started the English. Uh, Plus, I uh, when I went to Liberia, Africa. That's uh, what did you do in Africa? Tell me about going there. And at what age were you? I was eighteen when I went. Uh, I left Lebanon in nineteen fifty-four, and uh, my dad happened to be there. You know, he's he was in business, so he left the taxi business. Yes, your dad went to Liberia, mm-hmm. West Africa. Yes, of the entire world. How did he choose Liberia? Because his brother was there. The brother of the wife and the kids, my dad was taking care of them. So he went there and he opened up a business. General merchandising, they call it. You know, you sell everything just about. Like a general store, I guess. Huh? Right. Did you enjoy, when you went there, though, you didn't get into the diamond business right away, which is what West Africa was known for. You, no, that, you got into the time, grocery business. At that time, there wasn't... Uh, Diamond business is popular at all. But uh, after a year, the diamond mine is open up and then uh, people start uh, digging for diamond and going in the bushes and try to find diamond. And that's when I get involved in that. And did you uh, do the deals right in front of the store? Did you have your own store location? How did you do that? No, no, I used to... Do go into the jungle and there is a, a river called Lofa River and that's where they were getting the diamond from you know they've been washing them by hands and we used to go and buy them from the natives over there and bring them into town and sell them you know you make some profit and then you decided to come to California 10 years later well the diamond mine was closed by the government because uh, behavior of the people you know they were getting kind of outhanded you know you cannot uh, control so we have to choose uh, to do something else then i joined uh, a company from the united states american company and uh, they brought me into the united states 1964 after working for them and what company was that it's a called Matisse Railroad Company. They used to do welding railroad. So you come into the United States as a welder for the railroads. Somehow you end up in Michigan, meet mom. If you would say love at first sight, four weeks later you're married, and you come to California. Now this is important because you ended up settling in the San Fernando Valley, and that's where you raised all of us. Now this is not a place that mom knew anybody, really. I mean, maybe you guys had some distant friends or an address on a, on a notepad, but you had to think for your family's future, this was a better place than Michigan or, or Af- going back to Africa or Lebanon. How come you chose California? Well, uh, when I came, I went to the company I used to work for in, uh, in Liberia. And then uh, uh, 
they offered me the job there, but I didn't like uh, the offer, so I told them, uh, thank you, I'll, I'll do my own, I'll work on my own, I'll find it. Because here's what happened, you picked a neighborhood to live in, and from that, you ended up selecting, well, I mean, we, our schools were there, our friends. When I picked a neighborhood, you know, we went to live in a neighborhood. It's the same thing. We moved outside of the valley to a different area. Currently, our neighbors, I mean, you can't really end up with better neighbors than, than the ones that we have, at least on one side of our house. You have Caesar, Michelle, great people, uh, you know, Isaac and uh, little Caesar and Emily, great little kids, a big part of our life. But when you're a child, you don't get to select that. You just kind of you end, you end up where you are. And you guys, whether it be correct or, in, you know, whether it be on purpose or on accident, you picked the right neighborhood. So, so that was very helpful to us. Yes. Uh, well, we used to live in Panorama City to begin with. And then the house was uh, kind of small for the family of four. Kids, well, I, so, I, so, so that you know, when I was six, seven years old, it seemed like a big house. <laughs> I know. Later I went back. It was 800 square feet, two bedrooms, one bath. I thought, wow, this is... A, some some hotels are larger than this house, but you raised four kids in that house, yeah. two bunk beds in, uh, you know, in the one bedroom, and you guys were in the other bedroom. I still remember jumping on the beds and yeah. being a little kid. But when we came to the San, uh, to um, Silmar, that that made a big difference because the house was ready for this three bedroom two bath. Changed our life. Well, yes, I mean uh, you always look for better anyway. So, but. Uh... Also, uh, as you know, that uh, at that time, uh, I have to go to Lebanon and get uh, take care of my family in Lebanon. So that's a, a big thing. I think, do we have a caller on the line? Let's see if we do. I think we have a caller. We're going to pull that caller up here in just a second. Yes, go ahead, caller. Good morning, Dad. This is your number one daughter. Good morning, Patet. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you, sweetheart. So this is my Happy oldest Father's sister. <laughs> she's Happy a... Father's Day, Dad. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. So she's my oldest sister, guys. This is Fatet. And and hey, Fatet. So growing up, you were my you were my second hero. Mom and Dad were my first because I would always want to be as strong as you. And when I talk about Caesar, uh, you know, and our neighbor. They're always trying to keep up with Emily. She's the fastest, the strongest. So you always see that happen. I can see myself in that growing up, trying to keep up with you because you were always smarter than me in math. I don't know <laughs> if I ever did catch up, but I enjoyed that part. But, Ted, do you happen to have any kind of story, anything about uh, about Dad? I do, actually. Uh, when we were growing up, it would always surprise me that uh, out of Dad's two pockets in his pants, one pocket would be full of diamonds. The other pocket would be full of $100 bills. I remember. <laughs> we never asked where they came from. <laughs> yes. Remember, every time we had a tough time and, and uh, we, we were struggling, because just so you know, Mom, Dad, we could, we could kind of hear you arguing sometimes. The house wasn't that, that big. Uh, Dad would disappear for a month or a couple of weeks or something, I don't, however long it was as a kid, and come back from Africa and... Um, you know, life would be good for a while again. Uh, financially speaking, it was it was a different world. It's funny that you remember that, Ted. <laughs> yeah, I do. And uh, we we never really asked where everything came from. I think we were still too young to understand yeah. that he had gone and made money and then came back and <laughs> shared it with us. 
but we really never needed anything that we didn't get. Yes, that's right. I mean, there were things that we wanted, perhaps we didn't get, but we all we all got to go to college. We all got to go to prom. We all got to go to graduation and grad night. Uh, when we needed cars, he arranged that for us. I mean, it, anything that we really needed, they were there for us. Yes. And even when he was working in New York during the week and then coming home the week, on the weekends, we still received what we needed. There was never a time where mom said or dad said, you know what, you could only choose grad night or prom night. There was never a choice. It was everything you needed, you got. And that was, and, and, and there were four kids in our family, three sisters and myself. And, uh, you know, that's whatever it is times four, right? So that, that cost is not a exactly. one-time deal. Exactly. You know, dad had just started was, t- talking about something, Ted. Uh, I want your reaction to this in just a second. Dad, tell me about when you went to Lebanon to bring out those families. It's the middle of the Civil War in, in the summer of, of 76, if I remember right, 19, yes. 76. Yes, it was 76. Uh, we have a civil war in Lebanon, and uh, the American embassy was closed in Beirut so because of the situation. So I end up in Amman. Which is Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. And that's where I started their paperwork from uh, at the American embassy, you know, to bring them here. And one night you had to get into the country, or one day, I don't know if it was nighttime or daytime. How did you get into Lebanon when it was relatively a closed border? Uh, in, in a car, we, we drove down there and uh, took a while, but it was very dangerous and there was bomb all over the place. And so, But uh, we, we managed to bring everybody into Jordan and then... Uh, keep them in Jordan for a couple of months until their paperwork is done. Yes. And then bring them here. You know, Fatet, you remember when we'd wake up in the morning and there'd just be a whole bunch of other people in the house from the night before. Right. We didn't know who these people were. That would happen It, it was a lot. kind of like uh, the sound of music. You know, they were just taking people one by one <laughs> out of there. That's right. Somewhere else. <laughs> Somebody would come in the middle of the night. They'd come to our house. Yep. They'd be there for four days or four weeks or whatever it was. And our bedrooms and would switch. It was a three-bedroom house. Yeah, yeah, it was only a three-bedroom house at that time, so eleven hundred even tougher. But between mom and dad, they were able to get all the kids in school and get them registered and take care of everything they needed. Yeah, basically, you know, it was it was a two two prong approach. Dad, mom took care of the kids getting registered in school. Who, by the way, folks, spoke mm-hmm. zero English, and then they were fluent without an accent within six months. Right? Can you say immersion? You know your your political <laughs> idea of Having 74 different languages at an elementary school with 300 people, it's ridiculous. You end up, uh, my family is testament. Yeah, they, they struggled. They struggled for about, you know, a few months for sure. And now they're great members of society. And mom would handle that, registering the kids in school, taking care of all of that. And dad would take care of getting the men jobs, take them down to friends, call in favors probably. Tell me some of the jobs that you ended up getting some of our family. Well, it's... Uh... It's one uh, at the. Uh, you remember Galpin? Galpin Ford, yes. And, and listen, guys, of course, as you know, Galpin does mm-hmm. not sponsor this show, but I want to tell you something. Bert Bachman and his family, the way they treated my family was next to gold. Yes. An honorable man, honorable family. 
we had family that my dad, you know, walked in and got jobs for them. And those people stayed there 30, 35 years, 25 years. I mean, they grew with the company. They, they continued. So it's organizations. It's, it's family and community. You notice I have not mentioned once about the city of L.A. or the county or the state because it isn't their job. It's the job of the family. And, Dad, you took that to heart. Hey, Fatad, I'm going to let you go. We're going to take a break here in just a minute. Okay. All right. All right, Dad. Love you. Okay. Love you too, Sheila. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling, Ted. That's a nice surprise. Yes. So we had uh, a couple of different jobs. Mechanic. Now, were, were a lot of your family mechanics back in Lebanon, and they came here, and, or did they just learn from the ground up? Oh, they just learned from the ground up. And also... Uh, the Continental Can Company. Continental Can, which is over by Budweiser there in, in right. the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, a couple guys there. And Universal Studio, Fauzi. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and how did you do that? You just walked him in and said, hey, he's with me. Give him a job. <laughs> Maybe you could do that back then with friends or call in favors. Yeah, I get to know some people, you know, every place. And then, uh, you know, just ask them for but they they were good hard workers, you know. Of course, uh, everybody, and they were honest. So, you know, one of the things I've learned from my kids is that exact from from you, I should say, for my children is exactly the same thing: is to build relationships, to have a respectable reputation. That's exactly how we live, my wife and I and our family. And then when the time comes for me to say to my kids, take my name that that I was that was borrowed from my father, our last name, take that family name, walk into a place. You should be treated with respect. Anybody can get you the job. The family name can get you that job. But it's up to you, your hard work and your character to keep it. And I think by learning that from you, it really made a difference in our lives because we, we understood their personal responsibility of kind of carrying a torch, going to the next level. That's true because uh, if you remember, your son called you a week ago or, or two weeks ago. And uh, what he said, uh, Dad, because of your name, your Halaby name, I was able to get a job. And uh, so that was uh, one example, yes. Yes. My same boy who, who has an Eagle Scout, you know, Peyton is hardworking, bachelor's degree, Eagle Scout, hardworking young man, leader at, his, at uh, different jobs that he's carried on. And he went into... Uh, a location to ask for a job. They said, oh, I know your father. I know your last name. Uh, that comes with a lot of weight. If you're anything like those people, that uh, your family, then, then you're a good man. And he recognized it. That's what most important to me is for him to recognize the responsibility to the family name. Guys, I, man, I think that's what you have to teach your kids is this is not what the Hallabies do. Or listen, you're a Rivas. This is how we act. Forget those people. The kids at school that want to make you do this or say that, forget it. We love America. This country is a part of what we are. This country gave you a chance to hop, skip, and a jump around three different continents and to end up in the United States and to California where you raised us is a, is a pretty powerful thing. And that responsibility, as much as you wish as a parent sometimes you could be with your kids all the time, you can't. So you have to pass that on. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. This is the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. 888 retired That's how you get a hold of us. 888-997-3847. Thanks for listening. Stay with us. A lot more and surprises when we come back. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Strategy. 
Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. All right, welcome power. back to the show. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk about your family's finances on today's special edition of the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arab Halabi. Thanks for being with us. Mr. Mike Halaby, our guest, my dad. Yes. How are you? Thanks for being I'm with fine. us. I'm fine. Thank you. Special edition of Father's Day. We're talking about your family's finances, folks, uh, and some of the, the character uh, decisions that you make as a father result financially. I, I mean, they can really make a difference in your family's life, monetarily speaking. Forget about just you know where you live, but it's how you, how you live. It's the way you see money. You know, one of the things I want to... Wait. Do we have a caller? Okay. It sounds like we might have a, another caller. Uh, go ahead, caller. Happy Father's Day, Dad. This is Noel. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. Thank you, sweetheart. Happy I'm Father's sorry, Day. I'm sorry I forgot to text you this morning, but I knew I'd talk to you now, and I just wanted to say Happy Father's Day. Uh, to you and to Arif. Thank uh, you. I don't know if it's been clear to your listeners, but I am the third child. <laughs> so not only did I have uh, my dad as a role model, but Arif, who is my big brother, was an influential role model in my life that cannot be replaced. Aww. So I just wanted to say thank you to both of you to have been making an influential um, role in my life that that uh, no other human beings besides the two of you and mom have done. Well, thank you, Noelle. Thank you, sweetheart. So she is well, my... Well, one of the things, Arif, you, you, uh, I'm not sure if your listeners are clear on, when dad came, he was 28 years old, and when mom came, she was 18 years old when yes. they got married. And dad uh, had been in this country for how long, dad? When we get married, you mean? Yes. Uh, like four months or so? <laughs> four, four five months. months. And then you uh, started having children right away. Your first daughter was born uh, a year after you were married. Isn't that about right? Right, right. It was. Uh... Well, you know what I don't understand, Dad? I mean, just so the listeners know, I'm a lawyer. Um, I uh, was able to go to UCLA and then law school, um, and my parents were of obvious, modest means. And my dad, coming from Lebanon with no um, otherworldly experience as a woman, pretty much told me I can do whatever I wanted to do. Never treated me different from Arif. Where did you get that, Dad? How did you know that the gender made no difference in the person's capabilities? Well, uh, y your mother has a lot to do with it. She was very helpful. And, uh, you know, uh, you're in the United States. You're not somewhere else, you know, so you have to do what uh, they do here, too, you know. And I remember, Noel, watching uh, when we were kids and we would play around on the floor, or roll around on the floor, and Dad would walk in and they would say, what are you kids 
and your mom doing playing on the floor, <laughs> rolling around with cars or, or dolls or whatever you know, the kids were playing with. So she was always that, that part of us. And, and I think that's that judgment, right? As a judgment, you, when you're young, you're hoping that God is helping make these decisions, or you better be at least, because the people that you choose around you as friends and, and people you hang out with, they have a, a, a reputation that comes with them. But more importantly, they have an influence. And Dad, you, you chose certain people in your life. Noel, one of those things that I want to ask you about is, as you went through life, there were different people that Dad had brought in and out of our lives. Uh, we spoke with Fatet just a minute ago, uh, and she was talking about how people would come and go and come and go uh, when Dad would bring people from Lebanon in the middle of the Civil War. Do you have any kind of a reference to that? Do you remember that much? Because you were younger. Well, I remember it like it was yesterday, all of the people coming into the house. And I also remember in such a young age wondering, wait a minute, how is my mom and dad doing this? It didn't really make much sense. It seemed like um, the impossible was possible in that house. Mom uh, is, of course, an amazing influence in my life, but she was a stay-at-home mother. And that was the role model I had. But dad and you would always tell me I can do whatever I want to do. I really believed that I could accomplish whatever I wanted, including being president of the United States. I never knew until I became a lawyer and started dealing with other people that there was actually a difference in gender, that, that the world treated women and men differently. I had no idea when I was growing up, that that was the case. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's an example, right, of dad's life growing up and mom's life growing up and those merging together. And as young couples do that, they have a choice of what values they're going to adopt and which, what direction and which leanings. Uh, dad deferred to mom a lot in the household, and that's a, a wise judgment uh, for a lot of men. But he also would lead us down the road of, of meeting certain people. I mean, we had friends, dad, or people that came to our, our modest 1,100-square-foot house in the valley that were ambassadors from different countries. I mean, a two or at least two that I can think of. We had people that were had mental health issues and were challenged, and you would help them financially or get them a place to stay. I mean, the spectrum of people that you knew, and it was funny. We call it Mike's Deals probably every ethnic family has something like this. You know, a friend of mine is Italian and he said it's the same thing in Boston. He said, oh yeah, yeah, you need somebody, a plumber? I got that guy. Yeah, your car's broken? No problem. This guy can fix it, right? Well, that was what was amazing. Dad has, dad fit in in every facet in life. He would walk into the room and belong, whether or not it was presidents of companies, uh, countries, which he he met or ambassadors, which he met, or the guy on the street, which he met. Um, To me, there was no difference between any of those people. It was all treated equally and based upon merit. I mean, for me, going to law school, I didn't have the financial wherewithal. And I remember you, Arif. I mean, you made a huge difference. You told me, talked to me about how uh, investing in my education at this stage would enhance my life. And it truly is the American dream 
mom and dad comes to California with a hundred dollars and now uh, because of these possibilities and you know you and dad basically telling me you know what you can accomplish something don't let money stand in your way money will always come and that's what's happened and I would never have known that at the age of 21. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that, uh, Noel. That's really, really nice to say. We appreciate it. Well, um, I mean, you were 23 at the time, and you made it a huge impact on my life. It, I could have gone right or left. And the other thing that is understated, um, not just because of money and that gives me comfort in life, um, because I have had such amazing men, you and dad, as role models, I'm able to have a very good relationship with my husband. Um, and there's no, you know, competition or gender inequality, any of that. So happy Father's Day to both of you. Thank you. Um, you guys have made an impact in my life, and I hope I can pay it forward. And I love you both. We love you too, Noel. You're the best. We love you <laughs> always. Thank you, Noel. Have a have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you soon. Thanks for calling. Boy, that's a surprise. It is having Noel. So that folks, that's Noel Hallaby. That's our my younger uh, younger sister, uh, and of course my dad's third child after me. You know, Dad, we were talking about a couple of things as a young man in Africa, and you came to this country. You did a lot of this. I want you had left your wife with four children and a business, and your business was being run. It was a produce delivery company at the time where you would deliver to the old uh, Pup and Taco. Some of you might remember that, of course. Uh, the Chinese, uh, independent Chinese restaurants and some other delis. So you would deliver to those restaurants produce. And every day, mom would take the orders. You would go down to the farmer's market at 1 or 2 in the morning, pick up the orders, deliver them to the stores for the next day. You gave that up for a couple of months because you had to go to, to Jordan and then into Lebanon. But you left your wife and your four kids. Uh, I mean, you must have felt torn, right? You had your wife and four children here. You had your family, uh, ultimately 40-plus members of the family coming out of Lebanon. How, what are you thinking at that time? Because you were uh, 40 years old, 42 years old maybe? Well, uh, in this country, I felt they're safe. My wife and my kids are safe. And my family in Lebanon, they were not uh, safe. It was very dangerous because of the war going on. So uh, this is why I choose to go there and spend a couple months and try to get them all out here. And that's what I did. I mean, this is the, I think it was the right decision. And you did that uh, with whose money? Like where, where did you get this money from? Well, I, I saved uh, some money, of course, uh, and uh, I was able to travel and... Uh, and I had a lot of connection, you know, with the, with the airline at that time. I was able to get them tickets half half price, you know. Oh, that's nice. Yes. And one of the things that I want to bring up is because of that generation, about my age actually, which is, you know, in, in my early 50s, that generation of this age were probably 9, 10, 11, 12 right about that time. To this day, they still consider you like a father figure and mom like a mother figure. And they may not call every day. They may not come over every week as maybe a child might. But they certainly hold you both in high esteem as that person who changed their life. Because now they're old enough to look back. And not just the financial crisis that's happening in Lebanon, but the decisions that you made 
50 years later uh, is the person who influenced their life probably next to maybe their parents. Yes, uh, they uh, they uh, they appreciate it. You know, they they said, uh, Uncle Mike, or or you know, we it wasn't for you. We didn't have a house in this country. You know, many of them said that. Yeah. Oh, a house or yeah. life or even a, yes. A, yeah. Hold hold on. We have another caller. Go ahead, caller. Hi, Dad. It's Amira. It's Amira. I can't hear. Hi, Amira. Hi, number four. How number are you, Amira? <laughs> I'm good. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Era. Thank you. Well, let, it's let's. It's kind of rough following Noel. It is rough, isn't it? <laughs> so part of the challenge is you guys uh, have many different, you know, uh, life experiences, and I don't think people realize the difference that he made in your life and our life. He, we're fixing his technical difficulties here. Okay. And let's see. There we go. He should be there. Who's that? Hi, Dad. Yeah, hi, Amira. How are you He's today? This favorite one. This is your favorite one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Amira, part of what we were talking about earlier was some of the differences in in people's experiences, you know, with Dad's experiences. Now, you're the youngest child. So as the youngest child, you might have an experience that's a little bit different. Tell me what you're I, thinking. I had a different experience than, and a different childhood than you certainly did. As far as, well, I mean, Noelle said she didn't really see much of a, a difference in the equality and sex and stuff uh, with her being a female and you being a male. I think dad and mom treated you and Noelle a lot more similar. Mm-hmm. Um. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I was treated, um, I was always told I could do whatever I wanted and be whoever I wanted. Neither of them told me that I had a certain role to become or follow or anything like that. Um, And actually, one of the things that taught me that was, you know, Katet had mentioned earlier on that, um, you know, Dad went to New York and he would work in New York during the week and then he would come home on the weekend. Yeah. Do you remember that much? I do. I remember going down to Van Nuys bus station on Friday night in our pajamas, waiting for Dad to come in on the flyaway bus. Okay, I remember and coming that. coming home. And we would come home, and then in the morning, I would smell him cooking. Oh. And he would be cooking onions and garlic. To this day, so I still... Oh, Amira, you... To this day when I smell that, like, listen, all of you guys, your mom's, you know, Italian uh, sauce recipe or your dad has a special enchilada recipe, whatever it might be. Our dad, it was onions and garlic and butter in the grill because whatever you, you cook in the, in the Lebanese culture, it usually starts with that, right? And that's At usually on Sunday in the morning or Saturday. On Saturday. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so now when I, so, you know, him doing that and him cooking for us never showed us that there was a role that he was supposed to follow and mom was supposed to follow. It was, he would, he did the cooking and he, you know, she would go shopping and he would go shopping with her or, you know, it wasn't just him going to work and coming home and watching TV or watching the game because he wasn't that guy. And you know, before, listen guys, that's right. Before it was cool to be organic or fresh vegetables or no boxes or whatever it was. 
uh, I think I was probably 12 years old, and it wasn't until the uh, <clears throat> Irish Catholic family with six kids down the street from me where I spent the night, and they opened up a can of, uh, I think it was corn, and I thought, oh, my gosh, can, corn. I came home. I said, Mom, you wouldn't believe it. Corn comes in a can. This, <laughs> it, it was shocking because we never had that, right? We always had that yeah. fresh vegetable world and, and meat, no matter what it was. It was always there. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, we would eat breakfast and we would spend the weekend with him. And then Sunday night, we would all go back to the flyaway and put him on another bus to go back to the airport. And he would go back to New York to work. Yeah. And we would tell people, listen, my parents aren't separated. They're not divorced. There's, it's not, That's you know, right. he just, his job transferred him for, it was just, Dad, how long was that transfer supposed to be? They said, oh, you just. was for three months. Three was, months. Yeah. Which turned into five years, I think, right? No, about four years. Yeah. <laughs> Three months. But that, that was a huge period in our life. Yeah, it was. And it, it was the good news memory. is we got to spend summers in New York in the hot, humid, play in the, yeah. play in the fountains in Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Four I kids running around. <laughs> it didn't really wrap around food like the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> My memories you. are all about food. <laughs> But Amira, that garlic did you some good, right? <laughs> I know. I love it. I, you know what, though? I have to say, though, I'm 40-something, and Dad still cooks for me. Yeah, he and does. Dad still cooks because he loves to cook. And, yeah, I have a kid who's in college. Yeah, I, you know, live with my husband. <laughs> but he comes, and he'll make he food. He still cooks for you. And he'll cook for us, and he's. Because everything he does is that is from the goodness of his heart. Everything he does is because he loves us. Yeah. And you got to see kind of the tail end of some of the financial struggles that might have been taking place or that might have been around as he was bringing everybody through from Lebanon because it was his own money uh, in 90% of okay. the cases. What I found was actually when I was a senior in high school when he lost his job. That's right. So you guys, I, quick quick update here. Iraq invaded Kuwait in August 1st of 1990 and August 3rd of 1990. My dad had already been for about 15 years. He'd worked for Iraqi Airlines because he went from the produce de- uh, department uh, or produce delivery to Iraqi Airlines. Now, remember, you guys, if you haven't paid attention, he's from Lebanon. So he's an American citizen since the 60s, met uh, somebody, worked for Iraqi Airlines, worked his way up. And then, of course, while he's working for Iraqi Airlines, that's his pension. That's your life savings. They had a, a, a pension plan. But you guys, let's be clear. Your pension plan is not yours. We learned this the hard way. I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. realizing that the pension plan belonged to now the U.S. government, who still to this day has never paid it out. So a 55-year-old man said, chink, starting over for round two. Yeah. Made a big change. And that was right around the time when you were a senior in high school. So... Let me guess, you didn't go to the prom and you didn't have grad night or, wait, did you? I did. Huh. Still made that happen, I guess, huh, Dad? Oh, yeah. He, you know what? I have to say, the only thing that I didn't get that everyone else got was a trip out of the country. Aha. Uh-huh. That was it. Because Noel Everything went out of the else. country. Everybody else. You know, Mike, one of my By kids that time, was... Mom was working. So Mom was working, Dad was working. And 
I was a senior in high school. They had already given me, you know, the same car that all three of you guys drove. <laughs> That's right. We all... The 1972 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Way fast. And way. I, you know, was doing my thing. I was in school, and I was driving myself. And basically, when it came to prom and all of that, mom and dad worked together, and they were able to make that happen for me. But, you know, you guys all got to travel outside of the country on dad's friends. Yeah, you know? and because, folks, when you work for the airlines, the if, airlines. You're, if you're not sure, uh, you get to fly at a discount or even free. I, I went to Europe for, I think, $80 once. Uh, that was a fun trip. And right about the time when you're ready, Amira. How many, how many times you went to Hawaii, Amira? <laughs> Well, that's a whole other subject. Yes, you see that? not out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) When we were young, you know, I would always say, you know, we couldn't afford to go backpacking because you had to buy all the equipment and stuff, but we could always afford to go to Hawaii for the weekend. It was kind of weird. (laughs) Nobody understood that financial struggle, the poor us. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Well, we're going to let you go, Amira. Any last thoughts here? No, I just wanted to tell you guys that, you know, both of you have been such huge influences in my life, my son's life, my husband's life, and we can't thank you enough, and we love you more than anything, both of you. Thank you. We love you too, Amira. God bless you. Well, folks, talk to you soon. That's my baby sister, and you know if you're the youngest in the family, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're always the baby of the family, and so we we, uh, love and respect her in a way that... We will always take care of her, so that's nice. Uh, folks, uh, listen, part of the big thing at the Total Financial Hour, uh, we've run this show, I think I want to say 3,000 times. We're just over 3,000 probably uh, for almost, well, 17 and a half years. We hit that anniversary last week. So 17 and a half years on the air. And to be able to put my parents on the air, to be able to have them as a part of the show is a very fun thing to do. We've done that in the past with my mom and, of course, my dad. I want to encourage you to spend this time Many of you have your father that is not with us anymore, but it doesn't mean the memories can't be with you. It doesn't mean that the memories can't be carried on generationally. It doesn't mean that you can't remember and share stories of those that are in your life. And that makes a big difference because there are other people that can learn from that. They can learn from that love. They can learn from the experience, even some of the things not to do, right? Nobody checks us at age 18 and says, okay, and now you're ready to be a father. Sometimes we think we know what we're doing and we don't. And as a father of three kids, amazing children, and two amazing nephews that my dad is a part of, Colin, uh, Colin Paley some, he's, he's up working now, right? Hardworking young man. In the summer, instead of sitting around playing video games, well, he still might be playing video, video games, but he's up in the mountains working at a, at a summer camp, a Boy Scout summer camp. Riley Mendias, an amazing young man. I, I don't know how he turned out so incredible, except to, the, to say for the influence of his parents and you. Because the world for both of those young men is not perfect these days. And the same thing with my three children. Folks, I want you to have a blessed Father's Day. Dad, thank you for being with us on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Folks, this is one of uh, the highest honors of my life is having my dad on the show, and I want to thank him for coming here. And my mom, our in-studio guest, giving moral support. Folks, give us a call. you have any questions about your financial world, I want you to be able to go out, take care of your family. My daughter, who's in Honduras, 
Amber is one of the most incredible young ladies. They don't have to be next door for you to still love and care for them. Let them know. Thanks, guys, for being a part of the show. Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Have a blessed day. Higher income strategy, I'll retire comfortably, thanks to 